Thank you, Pastor, and good afternoon to everyone. It's good to be with you, to worship with you this Sunday afternoon. And uh, as, as Pastor has mentioned, I am the founder and director of Safe Place, which is an initiative to empower women with unsupported pregnancies to make life-giving choices. And today I'm going to share a little bit more about the work as well as uh, what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. And more importantly, what the Lord can be speaking to you and me today through this mission that God has set us on. So can I invite everyone just to turn to the book of John, chapter 4. We're just going to read a short passage and then we'll launch straight into um, the message today. John chapter 4, I'm just going to read from verses 39 to 42. Verse 39, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. This story in the book of John chapter 4 it may not be so unfamiliar with some of us or it may be very new to some of us. If you've never read the book of John, especially chapter 4, I encourage you to read it and uh, to understand the story because it's quite a long passage, so we're not going to read the entire story. But let me just give us a little bit of context. And what we see here is this, we're talking about this woman and this is commonly known as the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And this was just no ordinary woman. This woman is from a place called Samaria, and hence she is known as a Samaritan. And usually, Samaritans do not interact with Jews, because Samaritans are seen like an outcast race. They are looked down upon, discriminated, and they are like a lower class in society. And generally, they don't interact with the Jews. And especially in that culture, men and women do not also interact unless absolutely necessary. So you see this scene that was very, very unusual. Jesus was at the well. He was taking a bit of the break while he sent the disciples off to get food. And this was um, probably sometime in the day, which was also an unusual time for people to come to the well to get water. Why? Because it's very hot and you want to carry buckets of water and you have to walk long distances. Usually people come when it's slightly cooler in the day, which is usually earlier on. But this woman, very interesting, she comes in the middle of the day, in the middle of nowhere, she's alone and she sees this Jewish man at the well. And they begin to strike up a conversation. So if you try to imagine this scene, it's there's a lot of... Uh, politically incorrect elements to this. Culturally, maybe not so appropriate as well. So it already kind of, you know, triggers and ruffles a little bit of feathers. And in our social media age, age now, right, maybe people will have taken videos and, and you know, posted on Instagram and TikTok already and say, e, why this rabbi like that? But you would, I just wanted to, to, to paint this picture so we know that this was an unusual situation. And this woman, she was not just a Samaritan from an outcast race, but even within 
her own community, she was also not someone that was very accepted. And we know this partly through the insight that Jesus gave, where he pointed out to her through his prophetic knowledge, he knew that she was a woman who has had many husbands before, and the one that she's staying with is not her husband. And the fact that she was out here in the middle of the day, not wanting to interact with anyone else, probably shows too that she also didn't want to mix around with people because she might, may feel that she's, well, she doesn't want people to gossip or talk bad about her, or she doesn't want to feel rejected. So even though she belongs to a race that is discriminated, she is almost like the outcast of the outcast. Okay, And she might herself be feeling that she is not worthy and she is not good enough for anything. So we want to paint, I want to paint this picture because it's really, really important for us to understand that Jesus sees us very differently from the way that we see others and we see ourselves. When we observe this from a human point of view, we might say, you know, there are all these elements that are just inappropriate. But did Jesus look at her simply as a sinful woman? Did, she, did he simply look at her as someone who, you know, has this background from this culture that, you know, he, he just writes her off? No. Jesus, who is the manifest image of an invisible God, shows us the heart of the Father for people. And Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. He talks to her about her life. And in the end, she gets a revelation of who he is. She recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. You know how wonderful that is. And Jesus does not see her for her present state, nor her past. Jesus sees her with the intention and the purpose that the Father made and put inside this woman when he created her. He created her with a good purpose. God doesn't create junk. God doesn't make mistakes. And he created this woman for a good purpose. But somewhere along the way, you know, she makes bad choices, but God can redeem everything. And so this woman interacts with Jesus at the well. And in the midst of that conversation, she has a revelation of Jesus. Did it stop there? No. She runs back to her city. She goes back to her community and she begins to tell people about who she met. She says, I met the man who is the Messiah. And what was really incredible was that people believed her and said, come, let us go and meet this guy. They invited Jesus to stay on two more days. And as we read in the passage, many more believed in Jesus. And they told the woman, now we believe not just based on your testimony uh, because now we have personally experienced and encountered Jesus. What an amazing, amazing testimony. A totally unexpected mission field and totally unexpected missionary was found in this woman. When Jesus was speaking to her at the well, definitely God knew that that was an appointed moment. You know, God doesn't get caught by surprise. And God had a purpose for that moment. And it wasn't just about transforming and healing and setting free this woman for herself. You know, the, our healing and our freedom and our salvation isn't just for ourselves. It is also for the place that God has called us to. It could be for our family, 
for our society, for our community, it could be for anyone else. And let's just remember that all of us are on mission with our Master. I love that theme. All of us are on mission with our Master. The question is, do you know your mission? Do you know what you're supposed to do? Do you know where you're sent to? Does it always have to be overseas? No, obviously not. But all of us are on some kind of mission with the Master. And we see here with this woman, without even realizing it, she was a totally unexpected missionary sent forth to an unexpected mission field. I can relate to this story very much because I feel that I can identify with this woman because of my life experiences and my life journey. I'm going to tell you a little bit more in just a while, but first of all, I want to show you this video about Safe Place, and then I will tell you a little bit more. Uh, trouble you to play the video, please. Thank you. I started Safe Place because I want every pregnant woman who goes, oh no, what am I going to do? To know that they are not alone. I wanted to assure them that there are people around them that will support and provide the real help that they need. The mission of Safe Place is to empower unsupported pregnant women to make life-giving choices. Every woman has the strength and the resilience within them and sometimes they just need the support around them. I believe that there is a community around them who can do that. Volunteers and staff work tirelessly behind the scenes to make that happen, but the true heroes of Safe Place are the mothers. And here are their stories. I occasionally go rock climbing. So I go and practice on the holds there. I can only climb up to three. It's also like really peaceful. It is a tough story to tell. It all started when I was irresponsible. <laughs> I was going through a lot mentally, physically. I was not well. Yeah, so somehow or rather I end up in the hospital, right? The nurses asked me to take a test to see if I was pregnant. So that's where like it hit me lah, essentially, that oh, I screwed up really badly. I have no job, I just graduated school. I have no money to my name and now there is a child. I had to go back home and hide my pregnancy from my father because he was the kind that was very quick to anger. So for my safety, for the safety of the child growing inside of me, I had to leave the house. Safe place gave and gave and gave. Gave me time to mentally heal from the, I would say, almost trauma from being pregnant. They helped me fix my relationship with my then-boyfriend, now-husband. Sometimes I look at my son and I'm like, oh, what if I had abort you? That would have been such a waste. I'm so grateful for him, you know. He's like the reason why life has so much more meaning now. Safe place-wise, I just hope to see that they continue, all this wouldn't have been possible if not for the help. I'm really, really grateful for it. So, 
Thank you. I used to play basketball during my teenage years. I was representing the school team. I won Seagulls Division when I was around 15 years old at that point of time. I think that's the, basically the only award after that I graduated. The childhood trauma was me finding out my mom all this while I thought home was my sister. It's actually my mother. She had me at the age of 14 or 15 and I didn't know that because I thought my grandparents were my parents. A lot of times I've been on my own because I'm basically the youngest. So hence, I spend a lot of my time outside my friends. I became pregnant in 2019. Back then, I was worrying, what if Child Protection Service took my child away from me? It's kind of a painful process to go through because I don't have a stable job, I don't have anywhere to stay, I don't have any support from my family members. So that's when I found Jennifer and she brought me into safe place. I know it's a, a shelter for those supporting pregnant women. Without their help, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't even have put my life in order and gotten married to my husband. My life is now is beautiful, hectic. <laughs> I believe what they did has changed a lot of lives. So keep on doing what they are doing. Because with Safe Place around, I see a lot of women empowering themselves. I think ever since I was in secondary school, when the bulk of studying was happening, I just got a lot into note-taking. I realised that I like to pen things down, anything. So if it was a train of thoughts, or if it was a problem that I couldn't solve, it always went into a pen diagram. Something that I could visualize or like pros and cons list at a glance. It makes more for efficiency rather than just having the same problem running around your head. So when I first found out I was pregnant, I didn't know what to do. But once I had written down that I could keep, abort or adopt, it made sense. So writing everything down was my version of videoing my brain thinking. It was just all on paper. In my religion, Buddhism, we believe in reincarnation. What if I aborted him? and he didn't reincarnate and I was only supposed to have that one child I would have been childless for the rest of my life just because of one foolish mistake when I was younger so everybody told me to abort everybody told me to think again you're gonna regret it's very difficult yes it's difficult I have cried my fair share I have bled so eventually when I was 12 weeks pregnant I was kicked out of my house safe place offered a lot of emotional support. There were constant volunteers checking in on how you are. It's like living on cloud nine, really on cloud nine, literally just in the clouds. To walk out of negativity and to walk in the sunshine, that was what safe place was. It was a safe heaven. What safe place gave me was their time. And time is something that we can never get back. So to me, what they gave me was priceless. They gave me a piece of myself that I never knew I had. They gave me the courageous side of me. They empowered me to keep my child, to help me live with no regrets. They have literally single-handedly saved my child. And I hope that following this, Safe Place can continue to empower others. And one day, I would like to give the same. The work of Safe Place 
goes beyond ourselves. When you hear the stories of the women, they're not just wanting help for themselves. Many of them desire better futures for their families as well as their children. The work of Safe Place for me is one of those things that I have found that can go on even after I die. <laughs> um, that will outlive me and that people that I will never get to meet can still enjoy. And I think that is one of the most fulfilling things. And that is why I won't give up because I have found something that is bigger than myself. And I have been privileged enough to also partner with men and women everywhere who have also found that purpose. And they also say, I want to do something that is bigger than myself. The work of Safe Place is extremely challenging. We're dealing with the lives of people. We're dealing with future generations. Safe Place is committed to journey for as long as needed with all of these women. But we can't do this alone. It needs a community. As long as you are willing, you can be part of Safe Place. And as long as you have a need, we will support you. When I was 17, I was still studying in junior college at that time. My parents had already been divorced. My father was imprisoned. And that was when I found out that I was pregnant. My mother did not have a lot of education and she wasn't very well off. And she had to raise the three children, myself and my two younger sisters, on her own. She was also declared a bankrupt because of the debts of my father. And so when I found out that I was pregnant, I felt that I could not tell her. I was afraid, I was desperate, I felt alone. I was also attending church at that time. But instead of reaching out for help, I was so afraid that the people in church would judge and condemn me that I did not dare to tell anyone. In my fear and desperation, I decided on my own that abortion was going to be the best choice. And so I went ahead and had abortion, thinking that that was going to make things better. On the contrary, it made things worse. I wish someone had told me that that was not the solution. But it was too late. After the abortion, I realized I could not undo what I had done. No one had to tell me that what I did was gravely wrong. But I... I felt stuck. What can I do? So I tried to continue to move on and live my life. But instead of living my life in a better way, it became worse. Because I felt that I had done something so bad, I did not think that I was worthy of anything good. I began to get into relationship after relationship. And by the time I was 19, I was dating a man who was physically abusive. He would beat me regularly. And then I found that I was pregnant with his child again. And I told myself, how can I have the child of a man who beats me all the time? And in my desperation and fear again, I had a second abortion. By that time, I had stopped going to church. I had a terrible, terrible relationship with my mom. And I genuinely believed that God will never forgive me for what I had done. I had also developed an intense hatred for men, 
for marriage and for children. I told myself I will never get married and I will never be a mother. And I entered my young adulthood with that state of mind. On the outside, I looked okay. I got pretty good jobs. I did quite well. But deep down inside, there was this ongoing sense of guilt and unworthiness, just knowing what I had done. When I was in my late 20s, I made a last-ditch attempt to reach out to God to change my life. Because I was just trying to imagine, if I continue living this way, I really don't want to continue if my life is just going to be like that for the rest of my life. And so I decided and said, if this God thing is real, because I have been exposed to it in church before, then God's got to show up. You know, He's got to show me that He's real and that He's going to help me. So I signed up for Discipleship Training School with Youth with a Mission. It's a six-month program, three months lectures, three months out in the mission field. And true enough, God was faithful and He answered my call. On the last week of school, I had a radical transformational encounter with God that completely transformed the trajectory of my life. My life took a 180 degree change after that encounter. And my problems did not just go away. I still had my issues, but at the very least, my direction has changed. And so from that point onwards, I decided that if God has given me a second maybe third chance, fourth chance, tenth chance, then perhaps I should try and make good of whatever chance that God has given to me. I started working in church because I thought that was the holiest thing to do. You know, after you get touched by God, you're going to work in church, right? And serving in church was wonderful. But deep down in my heart, I always felt this burden for women like me, who had gone through difficult times, especially when we were younger with our families or with relationships or even had abortions before. And I always ask myself, what hope and what help do they have? How can I tell them that you can find hope in Jesus? And so eventually, I decided to start a work called Dayspring New Life Center that was in 2014. And uh, it was it's the same mission as Safe Place. I piloted that for two years. I closed it after two years, and in 2018, I started Safe Place, and we've been running it very, very well for the past five years. And the whole call is this. My question to myself is, what help is there for women like me? If I cannot find help, then I will want to become the help that I needed. And I felt that the Lord has called me into a very unexpected mission field. You see, I used to be a pastor. I served. I ministered, I did all the stuff that a church pastor does, but I knew that there was more for my life. And so when I stepped out of the church walls to do this work, I couldn't handle both jobs at the same time, so I stepped down from being a full-time pastor to launch into this work uh, wholeheartedly. And I realized that when I stepped out of the church walls, I was more a pastor and more a missionary than I ever felt that I was. Because I was out there with the messiest, most painful, the darkest, and the most hopeless. And there, our light can shine the brightest. And I've been very, very humbled that God has allowed me to step into this very unexpected mission field that abortion and unsupported pregnancies have created. 
And what's most amazing is that there are many others who have joined into this mission. Some of my closest staff members, my dearest friends and partners and volunteers who are in this work. I still remember a conversation I had with a very, very dear staff many years ago. She too had served in church for many, many years and decided to join me in the work. And one day we just said to each other, you know, this is missions. We are doing missions every day. Look at these women. They will never step into a church building like this. They may never come into a church service like this. So we have to be church to them, where they are. We have to show Jesus to them, reveal Jesus to them, not just to preach to them in words, but we have to show who God is. And hopefully one day, they will turn around and ask, why do you do this for me? Everything that we do for the women at Safe Place is free. We provide everything for them free. The accommodation, the supplies, the services, the counselling, the guidance, the programs, all free. And true enough, many women, eventually after we built a relationship with them, they will one day ask us, why do you do this for me? How come we don't have to pay? And those are the open doors, the invitations for us to share why we do what we do, and largely because we are motivated by love, by the love of the God that we worship. And those are opportunities for us to show Jesus. Whether or not they receive, that's not um, our, our, our purpose in that sense, because ultimately they have to make the choice. But our responsibility is to find opportunities to share. So Safe Place wants to empower these unsupported pregnant women to make life-giving choices. And over the past five years, we've served more than 400 women. Um, not all of them stay with us. So about only 20% of the women stay with us and the rest are staying wherever they are. We support them. We serve them wherever they are. We provide casework and counselling, temporary accommodation, programs, volunteer support, etc. And I just want to highlight one specific program that I personally am very proud of, and that is one of the programs that we have is serving the pregnant women in prison. So if you think about it, who are the most unsupported pregnant women in Singapore? Just think, if you're pregnant, what kind of pregnant woman would receive the least amount of support? Well, we thought about it and we said, probably those in prison. And so we developed this program, worked with the prisons, and now our staff and volunteers even go into prisons to um, journey with many of the pregnant women inside the prison. And that to me has just been so rewarding because you know what? No one can, can talk about it, right? This is such a hidden work. But when we are in there, we realize that we are doing this for the audience of one. Only God knows. And we serve because we genuinely feel that we are on mission with our master. Abortion and unsupported pregnancies are very painful issues to think about. But because the people involved are in great pain and in great need, it creates a mission field for you and for me. There are needs to be met, and that is when the people of God, like you and me, have the opportunity to step in. And I bring, bring it back to the woman at the well. You know, I relate to her so much. Because I too was very broken. I too also lived in sin. And I never expected 
that after I encountered Jesus, my freedom and my healing wasn't just for myself, but Jesus would propel me into a very unexpected mission field, a very painful one, but I was sent back into that community to reach out and to tell people, look, there is hope. There is a way out. There is life. We don't have to live this way. And this has become the mission field. So I want to encourage all of us to consider this. Where is the mission field that God has sent you to? You know, we're not just talking about mission trips to a certain country once a year. While that's good, but that may not be the mission that God has called you into. I want to ask us to pay attention to our tears, to our pain, and to our burdens. Because those are sometimes the clues to where God is preparing for us to go into. The mission field that God has for you may be very different from your idea of missions. And our posture is to be ready, is to be willing, is to be available so that when we encounter Jesus and we receive the mission from Him, we are ready and we won't be kicking and screaming going into the place that God has called us to. Finally, I just want to share with us three things that I learned, just three simple lessons that I learned in my journey doing this work for all these years. The first thing that I learned, that it is about the generations. You know, it's so clear, even in that story of the woman at the well, Jesus was interested in the life of this woman, but more than that, he was interested in the salvation of the many who are in her community who may never get to know about the Messiah. And so he was interested in more than just one person. He knew that one person can go and spread the good news to many others. And every work that we do, we have to keep in mind that it's not just about that one or not just about myself, but God is the God of the generations. And in this particular work especially, it's very, very obvious because we are looking at men, women, and children. And then the children's children, and the children's children's children, and generations that I will never get to meet because I will be in heaven by then. But it is about the generations and how, how satisfying and fulfilling is that to know that the work that we do lasts much longer than our lives here on earth. The second thing that I learned is that it's not about receiving gratitude. You know, when we serve people, very often, we don't feel or get appreciation. The truth. This is the truth. And if we serve because we want people to be grateful to us, then I will humbly tell you that you may be deeply disappointed. You see, our expectation to receive gratitude is something that may harbor some kind of selfish agenda. Because if you look at the heart of God, God never expected gratitude when He served us. Think about it. If God waited until all of us were going to be very grateful for the cross and for Jesus dying for our, our sins, I think until now Jesus wouldn't have died. Because I think there will still be people who are very ungrateful to God. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God did not do it because He wanted appreciation from us. And that is a posture we should take. When we serve, 
let's not appreciate, let's not expect people to say thank you. If they do, that's wonderful. But if they don't, we serve anyway. We serve anyway because that is a reflection of the heart of the Father. It's not about people being grateful to us. You know, the sacrificial service is a reflection of the heart of the Father for people. Thirdly, and lastly, fear God more than fearing men. This is a very important lesson that I learned. And that is, there are many times when we serve and we may be met with disapproving looks. People may criticize our work. And especially in this modern day and age, for a work like Safe Place, we can be exposed to some criticism, some disapproval, uh, maybe even with the fear of getting cancelled, right? Because so controversial. Cancelled by outside non-church, cancelled by church as well. Everybody wants to cancel us. But if we fear the words of men, then we cannot do this work. And we realize, I realize, that what is most important is to have the fear of God. He is to be feared. And if He has spoken, and He has, and he has spoken to us and, and delivered us and forgiven us and set us free, then we need to fear this living God who has called us to be on mission with Him. Let's not be afraid of what men will say. Of course, there is a place for wisdom. There is a place for um, doing things in a proper way. But ultimately, if we are driven by the fear of man, then we will never be able to fulfill the purpose of God. We have to always remember, whatever we do in the service that we have towards God, we have to fear Him. So I want to encourage us this afternoon to consider this. Where has God led you? For some of us, you have found that place. You are serving and you know that this is the place that God has called you to serve in, a people group. Could be your family, could be your school, could be your workplace, could be your community, could be anywhere, could be your church. It doesn't matter. It's not about size, okay? It's not about I have to serve like a lot, a lot of people. Sometimes we are maybe be simply called to minister to our own family. And that's a very important mission field. Some of us may already have found that purpose, and that's great. Don't be discouraged when it's hard. Keep doing it. But some of us may be searching. You may be saying, I am serving, but I'm not sure if this is really the place or this is really the people group. I'm not sure if this is something that I really know that God has called me into. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to be open in your spirit and your heart because God may lead you into unexpected places. And if he does, are you willing to go where he has called you? And the last group, perhaps you're saying, I never thought about serving. What this mission? I cannot even figure out my own life. How to serve others? Well, I want to encourage you, just like this woman at the well, she hadn't figured out her life at that moment when she met Jesus. But the moment she saw Jesus, when she had an encounter with Jesus, the direction of her life changed. And Jesus can work through any one of us. Any one of us. And if you would just continue to seek Him and continue to have Jesus as the center of your life, I believe that it will get clearer over time. 
But first of all, it must start with a willingness and a yes from your heart. So today, I'm just very, very grateful that through my pain and my mistakes in the past, God has redeemed, not just for myself. And by the way, I'm happily married for the past 21 years. I have a daughter and I am so grateful to God. So everything that I believed and I cursed myself, God has redeemed. You know, I don't hate family, I don't hate men, I don't hate children anymore. In fact, I love them with all my heart. And God can redeem. My relationship with my parents are wonderful now. They, they are still separated, but I have a good relationship both with my mom and my dad. And God has really brought so much healing. And I believe that it is not just for myself, but it's for my future generations and for the mission field that God has called me into. Just want to invite us just to bow the word of prayer in response to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your presence. And I praise you, Father, for the freedom that you've given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, today I ask that you will all invite us to the well. The well is a symbolic place to meet Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. It is not our good works that's going to get us to heaven. It is not what good character we have that's going to count towards heaven. But God, ultimately we know that we enter by the blood of the Lamb. And Father, I pray that you draw all of us into that place, the symbolic well where we meet with Jesus, where the secrets of our hearts are laid bare. There's nothing we can hide from Him. And He looks at us still with eyes of love, of forgiveness and acceptance. He speaks life and healing and freedom. And then He sends us forth to preach the good news. And God, I pray that today, for my brothers and sisters in this room, that You would inspire all of us to do the same. And to be willing to say yes. And to go wherever, God, you have sent us. I thank you, God. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.